It's Monday, March 24th, 2016, and you're listening to episode 49 of Will of the Die. It's in the frackin' ship! Everybody, welcome to the 39th episode of Roll Up and Die, our anniversary episode. My name is Barker. And my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. And last minute, like most of the stuff we decide to do, uh, we were like, oh my goodness, it's one year since we started Roll Up and Die, so we should do something cool. And... This is our cool thing that we decided to do. It's a live hangout, easier to, to, to post after the fact. Um, and I don't know if I speak for everyone. I know I speak for myself when I say that one year came by real quickly. Yeah. I, I, I was surprised when, when uh, was it Matt that discovered it? I think it was Barker. I think Barker pointed it out oh, to yeah. us. But okay. it was funny because I had just been thinking about the fact that I that because we started the podcast – um, not too long after Brigade Con last year, when we mm, had our, you know, our, the the panel together, I think it was the world building panel together, and yeah. we decided that we wanted to like keep that train rolling. And um, so yeah, I was like, it has to be either coming up on a year or just past a year, I think. And then Barker pointed that, out and I was like, holy hell! <laughs> well, and, and there's like now 38 episodes, yeah, and uh, what over there's over 40,000. Uh, downloads now, so Jeez. that's uh, that's pretty awesome. I mean, it may not be awesome in the in the world of podcasting. For all I know, I have no idea whether that's good or not. But it's it sounds awesome. pretty. It impressive sounds to awesome me. to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it sounds impressive to me. So yeah, I'll yeah. just be impressed it was, by it and move on. It was just surprising. Like it's surprising to see so many people enjoying the the podcast, which was cool because it's just basically a bunch of three dudes in their underwear talking about RPGs. <laughs> I will have you know, I put on kind of pants today for that. I'm wearing basketball shorts today instead of underwear. So if I happen to stand up because I'm on camera, I wanted to have at least some coverage. That's good. That's good. They're underwear with pants print on them. So (laughs) The question is, are you wearing underwear underneath the basketball shorts? And you don't have to say. I think I'll leave that up to the imagination, Barker. I think that's a great idea. Uh, so basically our idea was to uh, have a kind of one-year birthday RPG podcast uh, roll-up-and-die birthday party, fruit roll-up-and-die, and, die, and uh, to do like a Q&A where people ask questions about yeah. uh, role-playing games or about not role-playing games. I know yeah. a lot of times you might want to ask uh, what Matt uses on his hair, which is great, or um, how many lives Alex has actually taken. And I think that those all are you have questions. to do is count the skulls behind him, dude. I don't know, man. You, I think you need a panorama webcam to see all the skulls. <laughs> I would imagine. <laughs> so basically, start your uh, your questions. Start your questions in the chat. The first question is very important, and this is from oh, I just saw who it was from. I don't want to answer a question from Marquise. This is from stereotypical Strider. Where's the beanie at? <laughs> I was at work today, so I'm not wearing the beanie. I can't wear the beanie to work, so I, I just wear it on the weekends to to keep this mane in check. Yeah, Mark, you go slumming, Marquise. You don't stay there. <laughs> <laughs> the beanie will make a will make a return. I'm sure I'll be wearing it during the Crore game. The return of the beanie. Return of the beanie. Crore two. Return of the beanie. Yeah, Crore two. The sequel. Uh, what will be the subject matter of Roll Up and Die? Well, <laughs> there are 38 other episodes for you to check it out. And mostly, what do you, what do you guys think? Most, well, it's tabletop RPGs. Yeah. But I don't know. What do you guys like talking about the most? What do you think hmm. we talk about the most? Well, we're definitely kind of fifth edition heavy since that's what most of us are, are kind of playing right now. Yeah. Um, or I shouldn't say that. I mean, fantasy is uh, is probably the 
the main genre. I, I, I keep trying to think of, of ways to sort of push it in other genres, but it's it's not easy because we always seem to drift back to uh, <laughs> drift yeah. back to fantasy. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think that's where <clears throat> like our passions kind of are. Like we all yeah. are kind of drawn towards the sort of fantasy genre, but yeah. um, the few episodes that we've done, like where we talk about like sci-fi and stuff, I've really enjoyed that, and I definitely want to do more yeah. stuff kind of um, of a different genre. And we do a lot of like kind of agnostic stuff as well, where the stuff that we're talking about doesn't really apply to any specific genre. Like, how do you do villains, or how do you do suspense, or whatever? Right, right. Maybe that'll be a good um, new, uh, new Year's new, new, new second birthday <laughs> resolution. A second do, birthday uh, resolution. Yeah, to do a uh, more purposely out of genre stuff. And actually, what do you guys think about that in the chat? Like, because um, a lot of times our thought was, you know. I like fantasy. Matt likes fantasy. A lot of the stuff we actually talk about drifts into horror. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know which one of us helps to make that happen. And which one is steering the boat into the Bermuda Triangle of <laughs> Eldritch Horror? I'm not sure which one, but <laughs> <laughs> it's but, but it's awesome. But uh, <laughs> yeah, talk specifically more about like modern stuff. Yeah, sci-fi. Well, just on a side note, I think fantasy, it, it really should be, almost be horror in and of itself. I mean, it's you true. know. If, if, <laughs> if you actually think it, about it, you're like, damn, yeah. dude, that's horrific. Well, yeah, exactly. It involves murder and, and, and war and destruction and, and uh, um, more murder. Monsters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Magic, I mean, insanity. Things, things that, things that if, you, if you place them into any modern setting, like a band of orcs is, is ransacking a town, okay. Typical D and D adventure. Now, 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 put them in 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 you know some a little town in Ohio, where orcs just come running into town. It's a horror movie. It's yeah. not going to be you know, you know, unless they came in spaceships. It's not going to be classified as anything else but horror. Yeah. So really quick, is my mic better now? Yeah, yes. I can hear you. Yeah. I just realized someone in the chat mentioned my mic was low, and it, I think it's because I had the mute button turned on on my microphone. <laughs> that would but apparently. <laughs> I think that, that says l- less about me and more about my damn mute button that yeah. you could still hear me. <laughs> so I can't like hit my mute button. Mute yeah. button. Oh, dude, screw this guy that I'm talking to right now. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> we can hear you. Can't, and you can't do the old mutant fart during live games because we'll just hear all of them. Oh, man. Um, I saw uh, Jake from Mini Terrain Domain had a good question that I want to talk about, which is what are your thoughts about the Cubicle 7 announcement regarding Lord of the Rings in 5th edition? And for those of you who are unaware, uh, Cubicle 7, they're the company that does the One Ring RPG. Mm. They announced today that they're going to be uh, using the open gaming license for 5th edition to oh. come out with a D&D Lord of the Rings game, which... Nice. Um, is doing all sorts of things for me. I'm feeling very, very excited about that. Yeah, I love uh, the Lord of the Rings yeah. and I love Middle Earth and I love that I can mm-hmm. play in a Middle Earth game using a system that I'm already really, really familiar with. So yeah, I'm looking forward definitely. to seeing what they do with that. Oh, cool. I would, I would love to play the One Ring, period. Mm-hmm. But uh, And so I kind of want to do both now because I've been yeah. talking about it over the past few weeks Like, because I have the main books for the One Ring and I saw a Riders of Rohan book and I'm like, oh, I love the Riders of Rohan. So, yeah. I, wanted to, so I really wanted to, to jump into that. But now that it's in 5th edition, I'm kind of like 50-50 because part of me is like, mm-hmm. that's awesome because I'm totally getting that or getting whatever they release for that because I love Middle Earth and I <laughs> love Lord of the Rings and I love Tolkien and whatever. Yeah. But um, And I love 5th edition. But I'm like, oh, man, does that mean I'm not going to ever use the actual system? That right, right. Before, so. <laughs> well, so. I will say this, that um, I think that they're probably going to utilize a lot of, like, all of the art and, like, existing lore that they have already written and just kind of repurpose it for 5th edition, which I think is really smart and really easy to do. Um Mm. And I was kind of I'm looking more into the one ring system because I've been hearing a lot about it and like the different classes that they have and stuff. And there's no magic, no magic classes. You can't be a wizard, which is perfect, you know, because the wizards are supposed to be sort of godlike beings in in Middle Earth. So it's kind of going to be cool to see what they do with it and how they utilize the class and the race and the background system of fifth Mm. edition uh, with their existing sort of ideas about Middle Earth and how it all works. Nice. Wow, that is exciting. Yeah. Are they going to be doing a fun, uh, crowdfunding for it, or they do, or is it? You know, I'm not sure. They just announced it today. Um, oh, okay. I don't know if they're if it's going to be a Kickstarter or a GoFundMe or uh, or if they're just going to 
put it out there. I'm not sure. Like I said, they have all this awesome art that they already have for the One Ring yeah. RPG, so they might yeah. just be like, hey, let's just write a rule set and use the art. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. That's cool. I'm a big fan of the old uh, Iron Crown um, Enterprises uh, Lord of the Rings material. I don't know if you guys ever saw any of that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was that's old school stuff. Uh, it's based on Rollmaster. Yeah, <clears throat> and uh, I never I never liked the Rollmaster system, but those, I, I have I have most of those books, and they are awesome. I mean, they are just packed with lore and and story. You know, I mean these these things make the Silmarillion look like a graphic novel. Yeah, in, in the amount of content in it, it's, it's just like it's you insane. Know, I, it, it, yeah, and and the really cool thing about Iron, Iron Crown Enterprises in every in uh, just about every supplement they put out, whether it was, uh, you know, kind of background stuff or an actual adventure, they they always had these little charts in there so you could convert it to um, different systems. Mm. So, you you know, they had like a conversion to D20, they had conversion to 3D6 system, they had conversion to uh, a couple others, I think, that, that were popular at the time. But um, that was, that, that was, I thought that was really neat to have that built into it so you could yeah. make, really easily convert um, you know, convert it to that and just, you know, run it in whatever system you prefer. I, I love that sort of thing. And it's, yeah. it's something that takes a lot of work. Um, but I always appreciate it. I remember when, um, when they were doing the D and D next play test, they were mm-hmm. coming out with adventures that were compatible with third edition, fourth edition, and the new D and D next rules. And that was like the mm-hmm. coolest thing. Cause it was yeah. like, no matter what version of D and D you were running, um, you could run the adventure. And, I mean, it doesn't take much to convert to past or future editions of D&D, like, because yeah. it's all the same kind of basic mechanics, you know, but... For the most part. Yeah. yeah, but it's cool that they had a system that was completely different, and then they had, you know, hey, if you're using D20 or, you know, a D6 pool mm-hmm. system or whatever, here's how you do it. So, that's cool. Well, it's kind of like with movies. I mean, um, if you have a really good script, you have a good story, then the special effects don't don't matter nearly as much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it, and it's the same thing with a system. You know, if you've got a good adventure story, then it doesn't really matter which system it's made for. You should be able to run it in almost any system. Just by pitch, you know, if you're halfway decent GM in your system, you can pick up this story, and you know, just kind of convert it on the fly as you as you go, mm-hmm. because it's you know, it's the story, it's the characters, the backgrounds, and that sort of thing. If it if you if your adventure module is just all stat blocks, then you're gonna have much harder time. Versus yeah. if it has all kinds of rich lore and interesting stories and characters. Exactly, and so exactly. And I've I've run um, games. I've run uh, Pathfinder modules. I've run third edition modules. I've run Lamentations yep. of the Flame Princess modules, all using fifth edition. And it's because yep. The stats are, like you're saying, Alex, they're completely secondary to the cool ideas and the story elements and the NPCs that are presented in the module. That's really why I pick up a module, if at all. Well, I got my eyes on this chat here. I got my eyes on your chat. (laughs) Time to pick a question, Captain Gothnog. Do it up. Excellent. Go on. What's your turn, man? That's what we're doing here. I don't know. I didn't what? lay any rules. Well, how can I, well, oh, I can do that? <laughs> yeah, man. You can do anything you want, Alex. This is our podcast. <laughs> I don't mean that. I didn't know I could, like, see the, see the questions. I don't do that. So I don't know how to do that. <laughs> Just pick, pick a question for me. I don't care what it is. All right, I will. Actually, uh, Wason asked a really great question um, a little bit earlier. How often do you use cultures other than European in your campaigns? Are there any that you really love? Hmm. I, I use Japanese quite a bit. Yep, I really me too. Yeah, um, yeah and I, I, I'm uh, the the centaurs in my uh, in the campaign setting of Aranoth are kind of uh, loosely based on uh, Mongol culture, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, like Barker said, Japanese culture. Um, I actually. I, there's a there's an area of my world that hasn't been explored yet that is kind of like um, American Old West, uh, which I'm mm-hmm. really excited to get to at some point. What is that going to be? What's it called? What's the place called? Uh, it's called Unsorort. It's like the Worm Rock Badlands, and it's basically just like a like it's not quite a <clears> desert, <throat> but it's like the American West, and there's uh, mm-hmm. gnomes there and stuff, and uh, there may or may not be black powder esque things, but not guns because there's right. no guns in Aeronoth. Right. 
my, my current campaign is still kind of it's well it's still technically based on a european culture but it's based on um you know like the uh greek civilization and so it's it's not like your typical medieval you know european i guess so right. it, it that that's a little bit different it's it's uh um the setting they're in is is sort of the jewel of of this part of the world where uh you know it's it's kind of like alexandria has the center of learning at massive libraries uh um and uh, uh they have uh it's run by a senate and you know it's, so so it's very very much more civilized i guess you'd say than than you know some of the other feudal um and uh you know, uh, monarch systems you'd find elsewhere, but so right. that's that's a little bit different. But I have yeah. been considering expanding, like, because right now they're on the borders of more of a more of a tropical area. So I was considering uh, looking into some, uh, you know, more African cultures and kind of bring them. Um, you know, uh, I don't I don't want to use them exactly as as they might have been. I want to kind of, you know. Uh, kind of like with D and D, you know, take that as a basis for the culture and then expand on it, and uh, um, you know, make it more interesting that way. Right. What about you, Barker? Hello. <laughs> Are you there, Barker? Yeah, I think so. Are you what what happened? <laughs> I don't. You guys were frozen for a minute, oh, and I, okay. I think oh. it was because I was. I typed something in the chat and then everything got locked up. And oh. so <laughs> it was okay. funny because I said, what about you, Barker? And you were like staring into the webcam with just this terrified look on your face. And I was like, dude, it's I, like, it's not that difficult of a question, man. So, so repeat the question. Uh, so we were, we were talking about, you know, uh, non-European cultures in our fantasy settings. And I said, what about you, Barker? Okay. Yeah. I, I mentioned Japanese earlier. And one yeah. of the things yeah. that I like to do is, uh, there's a, a group of elves in my setting that are kind of a cross between Japanese and native American culture. Mm -hmm. And, um, which, which I thought fit really well together actually. And, um, it's cool to have like a tribe of elves, um, honor bound and wielding katanas is kind of dope. Yeah, dude. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. Just katanas are cool, man. They're they cool. are cool. They are cool. And I know there, there's like a there's like a whole culture where it's like a katana is the ultimate weapon. And I don't. I mean, I, I don't subscribe to that. But I think they're cool looking swords, and I appreciate the artistry that goes into making them. So the 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 Japanese s culture in my world is elves too. Yeah. They're high elves, and they're horse. They're. I just took everything that was kind of cool. And I was like, I'm gonna put this all together. So I'm like, okay, what if it was Rohan, but like samurai, but they had meteorite swords, and so it's like horse lord <laughs> high elves with with star steel katanas, and I'm like, yeah, that's that's dope. Hell yeah! And that provokers actually got some armor from there uh, last night. They got some star steel armor from Iridos, so I thought that was pretty cool. Sweet techno man. Yeah, dice dice did though. He was like, I'm out. I didn't do that. I don't want an <laughs> Oakin or something. <laughs> Um, so, do you have a question yet, Alex? Do you want me to pick another one? Yeah, go ahead. I'll pick another one. Do it. Well, do okay. It, uh... well, how do you set up? How do you set up so we can so I can see these things? So, if you go to the if you go to the YouTube page, Alex, there's a chat there, and you can actually okay. um, you can actually pop out the chat and have just the chat open, um, which is really oh, nice. Oh, okay. Hmm. I'm just laughing at Alex because he said. Hey, how do you do this newfangled chat? And all I saw <laughs> above Alex's face was, Alex has opened the Fate Dice Roller. Like, He's like, nope, is, that, is it the Fate Dice Roller? <laughs> <laughs> it's like telling my mom how to use Chrome and she opens the calculator. Like, no, mom, Jesus. Just... <laughs> uh, here's, a, here's an interesting question. Um, Zark... Zarkduja, Zarkduha asks, is there a class from another game or edition that you think would be interesting for fifth edition? And then he said, or race for that matter. So basically, is there a race or a class from another game that you think would be interesting in fifth edition? I think lately I've been really wishing that there was like a scholar <clears throat> class, okay. like not oh, magic yeah. user, like a scholar uh, <clears throat> type of something that would usually go well in a Cthulhu-esque game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for D&D. But with D&D, it's interesting, and this is probably one of the things... I love D&D, and I love 5th edition, but this is one of the things that I'm like, hmm, about it, is that the classes are basically, how do you kill people? Right. How do you end lives? You know, like a rogue, <laughs> do you do it? And so, 
it'd be cool if there were yeah. like a scholar. Of course, you have the backgrounds for that and stuff, but I'd love to play a scholar that sucks at fighting. Yeah. Well, I mean, <clears throat> and that's just one of those things where you, if you want to play a character that's less about fighting, I mean, you real you you do have to kind of mechanically cripple them to make them work, or just play them off as not being very good at fighting, which is I mean yeah. easy enough to do. But I do I do see where you're coming from, Barker. I would say for me, mm-hmm. like, um, I enjoyed the uh, what was it called? I think it was the Oracle and Pathfinder. I can't remember, but it was like mm-hmm. um based on being able to see omens and see things a little bit ahead and like ahead in the future and things like that. And actually, um, uh, point of inspiration, um, is working on, uh, something very similar that I, that I looked at the other day that is pretty cool. So I can't wait to see what they do with that. Mm. Um, I, I suppose making a, a, in fifth edition, making a, uh, a Bardic college, um, that was, that was that could work. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, um, getting them away from all the, uh, the thievery and assassination and all that That's kind of stuff. That's the fun just, stuff. That's the fun well, stuff. Well, I'm just saying that if you wanted a pure <laughs> scholar. Yeah, you know, no, for sure. For sure. You could definitely have them as a, um, you know, uh, college of, uh, you know, uh, what, was, what would be the word? Scholar. College of, college of not fighting things. <laughs> college of pacifism. College of uh, liberal arts. Yeah, there you go. That's basically that's the degree I got was the not fighting stuff. Yeah, Barker, what are you eating? That's a question, not in dude, the chat, but one that I'm going to ask. Yeah. Did someone ask in the chat? No. No, I, no. I'm asking. Well, I'm not going to answer until you type it in the chat. So. Oh my god. Okay, one second. <clears throat> Only answer questions in the chat. Okay, all caps too. That's how much. Barker, what are you eating? <laughs> uh, I'm eating a Papa Murphy's pizza. That was but a letdown. What kind of pizza? I want to know. It's uh, <clears throat> white sauce with chicken and tomatoes. Hell yeah. And uh, But these bastards didn't cook the pizza. Dude, they did not cook the pizza. That happens to me every time I go to Papa Murphy's. I always yeah. have to cook it myself. It's ridiculous. <laughs> the cheese isn't even ever melted. No, oh, God. it's like not even close to being cooked. Um, I saw. So someone uh, asked a question really quick. Why can't yeah, you just role play a scholar, Barker? Why would one need a specific class to play <clears throat> one? Uh, here's the answer: You don't need a specific class to play yeah. one. No, absolutely. Not. And that's what I do. I just role play a scholar. So, but the question, you know, in question was why, or what? What do you wish would be in D and D? And sometimes, if we're talking yeah. about systems only, I wish it would be a little more. Uh, um, open for yeah, non-combat classes. And I yeah, think right. they did that. They were going for that with the backgrounds a little bit, but it was still a little meh. So, but that's why that's, yeah. I agree completely. You don't need a system to tell you how to play. No, that's true. But it is nice to be able to, to give them a little bit, a little, uh, a little bit more they can do um, in, in, in lieu of having the, the combat training, you know, yeah, uh, giving sure. them access to more, more, uh, uh, being able to figure things out, make them more Sherlock Holmesy. So maybe they're they're really good at observing and and analyzing things, and um, they're not particularly good at fighting. But you know, they can tell you what happened in a room, you know, just by observing, uh, you know, the dust patterns and you know, this this uh, this candlestick was moved recently. You know, they can yeah, you know absolutely. that kind of thing would be kind of cool. Because like, then they have a practical. Then they would have a kind of a practical use other than just being the walking library for for the group. You know, it's like, <laughs> have we heard of the, Have you heard of this man? Right. Yes, as a matter of fact, he was, you know, so you're not just plot exposition. Exactly, yeah. No, I like that. I like that idea. Um, they go by so see. fast, though. I know. Uh, let's see here. Uh, how do you guys um, deal with players that have weird ideas about fantasy and always try to add other weird tropes into your world? Like flying griffin riders <laughs> and guns. Hey, man! <laughs> The hell? How how are Griffin Riders not not in fantasy, bro? Um, Here's the thing: if you don't if you don't have Griffins in your world, I don't know. I guess the question is: how, how do you deal with players that want to add stuff into your world that isn't necessarily there? Is the is the is the what he's getting at? So it's like if a player goes, "I want to play a gunslinger," and you're like, "Bro, there's no yeah. guns." I, I I love creative players, and I and I really encourage them to add things. Um, 
and uh, but it also requires a certain level of of understanding and trust between them. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't just do that with a with a new player that I've never played with before. You know, I, it's it's a lot easier to do it with someone that you know. Right. Like you know. <clears throat> I don't think I'd, I'd have to worry with either one of you guys coming into a campaign and, and uh, giving you free reign to just make stuff. Right. You know, because, you know, I, I know you're not going to break it deliberately. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, it, but you can also lay, lay down some ground rules. Like, I've, I've done that before, too, where, um, you know, when I'm starting a new campaign, if there's new people that haven't played with me before, you know, I'll say, okay, you know, there's not going to be any, you know, gunpowder or guns. They they chemically don't work in this in this world for because of magic. <laughs> Because magic. Because yeah. magic, exactly. Because, because magic, magic yeah. and speed force. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you can just lay down a few ground rules, you know. But other than that, you can kind of give them free reign to kind of make stuff. And and after a while, again, kind of get a feel for it, and they know what's what's going to fly and what's not. Exactly. Well, and as a player, if I'm ever thinking of doing something a little bit off the off the like center line, I always ask the 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 gm like Mm -hmm. um for the uh, copper jackals game that tim ran a few weeks back i was making my character and the art that i found for him he had like a gun he had like a like a really primitive looking scatter gun and i was like i was like well i don't know if there's guns in this campaign setting or not they have a lot of magitech stuff so maybe there is guns so i brought it to tim and james and they were like you know what we haven't really decided if there's guns yet so i was like I'll just make it a, a badass crossbow with like a pistol grip on it. That's totally fine. So mm-hmm. like as a player, I'm always kind of cognizant of that yeah. and want, I don't I don't want to bring anything into the world that's going to like tip the scales because introducing something specifically, if we're talking about it, like firearms into your world, yeah. that's like a big thing. Like that's like, why doesn't everyone use guns? Like, wh- like why, <laughs> why aren't there guns over here? And how do they work? And how can I get one? And then and then the, you know, the entire campaign setting just is like... <sighs> Because yep. everyone has guns now, but right. The minute, you, the minute you create a chainsaw town in your world, everyone's going to wonder where the chainsaws are. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Where are the chainsaw yeah. swords? That guy has one. Um, Marquise stereotypical tri- Strider asked a follow-up question. So Matt slash Barker slash Alex, do you guys not like guns at all in your D and D? No, I I actually really. Uh, dig guns. guns in certain applications. I, I have a I have a little mini setting that I tinker with from time to time called Felscape. That's like uh, humanity caught between a war between angels and demons, and they have guns, which is basically the only thing that that puts them on an even footing with the demons and the angels is the fact that they have you know black powder weapons. But uh, it's one of those things where it's like with a careful, steady hand. Like I'm not going to put it in every campaign setting. What do you? Uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Alex. No, I was just going to say, I mean, I like to keep my fantasy without it, but I, I, I have no problem with a setting that has magic with guns. You right. know what I mean? It's, I mean, it, it's kind of nitpicky, but, you know, <clears throat> the minute I add guns, then for me, it crosses the genre from, from fantasy to steampunk. You right. know, and, 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 that, and that's cool. You know, that's fine. I don't mind that. I'll play that. But, you know, I don't consider it necessarily fantasy. But right. Again, that's not, it, that's not your fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a completely arbitrary, <laughs> just, you know, evaluation. So. No, I get it, though. And I totally agree. Like, yeah. I think the, the minute that you add guns into something, it, 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 it's not it's not strictly fantasy anymore. It has that kind of like you're saying, like that steampunky kind of vibe yeah. to it. So and like you're saying, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's not something that everyone wants in their in their setting. Yeah. Yeah. I like guns. I like guns, and, and but everything that you guys said is totally accurate, man. Like, and keep in mind, like, what's the worst that can happen? You run a game, and one of the players, you know, wants <clears throat> to do this crazy thing or put guns in the game, and like, what's the worst that happens? You run a subpar one shot in your yeah, experience. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you're still playing a game, and you're still having fun with your friends. Yeah. And if everybody's like, "Oh, come on, can't we have guns?" Maybe they, everyone wants to run a, a spy game, or maybe yeah. they want to play a yeah. modern setting. So, um, uh, but I'm going to scroll up a little bit and pick a different question, if that's okay. That's not sure. RPG related, and you guys can post your your responses in the chat as well, viewers. Uh, what celebrities do you think would survive the zombie apocalypse? <laughs> well, Vin Diesel would have to. I mean, you know, Vin Diesel. <laughs> I'm going to say Tom Cruise. You think so? Yeah, dude, he does all what? his own stuff. That's true. He does, he does Yo, his own you stuff. Know what? That is a good point. That is a good Changing point. Changing it up, actually. Keanu Reeves. 
Yeah, I just yeah. saw that him tactical shooting on that gun range. Keanu Reeves yeah. would absolutely survive Dude. the zombie apocalypse. He would win the zombie apocalypse. He would win, yep. exactly. He would just be like, tung, 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 tung. We're done here, ladies and yeah. gentlemen. I would say Keanu Reeves, too. Just, I mean, based on the movie John Wick and then seeing that clip of him at the shooting range, I'm like, dude can shoot. And I don't have anything to speak of about Tom Cruise and whether or not he might be nuts, but dude makes some pretty good movies. Yeah, he's a he's a uh, awesome action movie star. But, uh, you know, whatever he is personally, you know. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Not my business. Not my business. Uh, uh, Tom Petty is already a zombie when he camped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. Here's a hey, Blue Bar- Apron question, Barker. Do you yeah, see that? I, was, I just saw that. A Blue Apron question. You're on this Blue Kitchen thing. Blue Apron. <laughs> What's your favorite dish yet? So for those of you who haven't heard me say it three times so far in the Roll Up and Die podcast, <laughs> I am a part of Blue Apron. They send me, it's a subscription-based feature, they send me meals to my door once a week, three meals, and uh, the, the ingredients so I can cook them. It's not like, here, microwave this filet mignon, you know, it's, it's cooking. <laughs> Ooh, mm, microwave uh, filet oh, mignon, that's my favorite. Oh, yeah. It's like that's five bucks wow. a month. They send me a lean cuisine every once in a while. It's really great. <laughs> um, You're like, hey. It's just bullshit. We had some cutback with, with with a crude with a crude label stuck over it. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. I'll, I'll eat it for the brownie. No. Um, uh, my favorite dish is the pretzel burgers. Probably they sent me pretzel burgers with the cheese sauce that go on the pretzel. Burger. Yeah, those look good. Oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> Thirty inches of doom. Thirty inches of doom. Oh, and people were asking earlier. There was apparently like a boxing match in the chat earlier over whether or not I was a teacher. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what happened. I was a teacher. I am no longer a teacher. When I was a teacher, I taught a class called leadership, which is basically an elective uh, for kids who want to um, learn how to start a business or start a website. Or uh, it's it's like the middle school's version of JROTC, but less of a military focus and more of a uh, applying for college focus. Right. So, so that was really fun. <clears throat> Here's a good I'll question from question. from Don Bro. The Bro has some emotional moments. Have you ever cried uh, for a character while role playing? That's a good question. Um, I did cry one time. It was with my with my home group, probably about four four or five years ago. I was running a game with my home group, and there was a character who. In his backstory, he was forced to kill um, someone he loved. And we we were kind of wrapping up the campaign and there was this thing during the, the last session where everyone kind of had to confront um, like their greatest fear or their greatest regret um, in this kind of extra planar space. And um, he ended up meeting uh, his lover who he, he was forced to kill and we role played this scene where um, his loved one said, you know, you have to leave me behind. I forgive you. And in role playing this, the whole table was just like in tears because it was such like an emotional moment. And we knew that it was so important to this character. And um, yeah, it was just really sad. I think that was the only time I've like outright kind of like got like teary eyed and cried during an RPG, though. Hmm. Alex is like, I make uh, the players cry. That's what I do. Well, Not my we, job we, to cry. I well, we, all can, we, we, we all kind of cried at, at, at this one. It was uh, it was like the second... I think it was like the first or second session with a new group that I hadn't played with before. And uh, <clears throat> it was gonna, I knew it was going to be a long campaign, but the, the, fir- the first encounter, they, they were coming down out of the mountains, These this, this, this druid and his dwarf friend. Um, and... Uh, they uh, they came upon this uh, you know the, these these two young men being waylaid by uh, what looked like soldiers in strange garb and the two young men were killed before they could get there and then they, they ended up slaughtering them and, and that was kind of the the lead into the adventure. But they searched the, the bodies of the two young men and they found that uh, one of them had an, had a letter um, uh, that had that was um, 
that was supposed to be uh, they basically placed him in a nearby village, and so they 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 took they decided to take it there, and they found um, this this young man's mother um, and his little sister basically out in the yard, and now they had to come up and tell them how they came by it and what happened. And yeah, that that one was tough to to GM, but also yeah, man, <clears throat> to play because they, I mean, the 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 players did it so well, and uh, you know, and then you know you have to play it. You know, the 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 little girl realizing that her brother's gone, and you know the mother, you know, kind of falling to the ground, and and yeah, it was it was a surprisingly intense scene that I hadn't really kind of planned on necessarily, but it it it, it was great. It was really yeah, well man. It was a lot of it was. Yeah, very powerful. I love moments like that. And it's like, it's a, it's one of those things where it really kind of shows how powerful uh, RPGs and the interactions we have while yeah. we're playing can be because you get so attached to these characters and it's like, you don't even realize it. And all of a sudden you're like getting teary eyed over a character <clears throat> dying or having an emotional moment. And it's always, it always catches me by surprise, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't see, hmm, I think the answer is yes but i can't really remember but there are times where i get emotional about the story of a game or a character or something like when i'm the gm and the game mm. isn't happening like when i'm when it's outside the game when i realize something that i didn't sit down to write and create where i realize a character's backstory and i maybe realize how sad it is and that gets me like yeah. oh crap because <clears throat> it's almost like it's almost like that character is like grabbing me by the scruff of my neck saying, look at this and I'm not. And it's just like, oh, crap. So I just write it down. So right. that, yeah. that to me is that's hit me a few times. But which is a little sappy and nerdy, but no, I love that feeling. No, I'm with you. No. I'm with you. Yep. <clears throat> um, Alex, you want to pick a question? Uh, let's see. There was one a ways back. I can't know if I can find it. But basically, the uh, the question was. How do you handle when a when a when a uh, when the when the when a character or the party is coming to a new part of the world that they haven't seen before and kind of discovering a new continent or new uh, kind of entirely new location? Um, That's a good question. Yeah, uh, that one caught my eye, and I, I think uh, uh, I'm sorry I don't remember who asked it because it was as I said the scroll keeps going, <laughs> but. Um, uh, I, I think one of the ways to do it is to try to make it as um, as alien as possible. Um, make it as as unusual, uh, different, um, so that it so that it doesn't just feel like more of the same. You know, if, if if you're really going to go and discover a new place, you know, you want it strange, and it, I mean that doesn't have to be bizarre, but certainly. You know, it has to not feel like the place they just left. Yeah, exactly. It has to, you know, you, you've set up a certain precedence uh, and set up a certain, uh, you know, culture in the other place. And then you kind of have to present right away how different the other place is um, once they get to the to the new place. So, yeah, I always enjoy doing that. And it's always cool to take characters that are so used to one setting and putting them in something else completely different. Yeah. yeah. And it can be really hard to create. Yeah. Nope. You go ahead, Alex. No, I was just gonna say it can be really hard making, like, a a, a new culture. I mean, like we we were talking about you know uh, picking Japanese or, um, you know, different African cultures or, you know, Scandinavian cultures or whatever. But, you know, making something from scratch is is a lot harder than people imagine. <laughs> you know, we 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 always base it even vaguely on something that we know. And so coming up with something truly different and alien um, is, 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 is uh, nearly impossible, I think. And, yeah. uh, and but, you know, and while keeping it relatable to the, to the players, you know, For it, sure. obviously it has to be relatable to the players. Otherwise it's just going to be, you know, <laughs> too weird and they're going to want to leave. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the challenge, right? Because if you you can create something that's so off the wall that it might be alien, but if you don't relate it to the players that are around your table, it's going to fall flat-footed and it's just going to be yeah. a random thing. So, um, I don't know, I like the idea of really shocking them, though. Really, like, showing them something that they would never expect. 
not just making it an extension of the world they came from, but its own microcosm of a world, especially if it's another continent. Yeah. So, so what was the most alien sort of uh, idea or culture that you guys came up with? Oh, man. Um, I, well, I think for me, it's probably um, that the players haven't interacted with them yet, but the elves of Haldrathine in Aranoth, um, they're, they're inspired by the Protoss from Starcraft. They're a completely mm-hmm. psionic culture where they don't actually speak using their mouths anymore. They only mm-hmm. speak, you know, it's 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 um, it's really intimate to speak with someone using your actual voice. Normally they speak psychically and they're masters of psionics and they have liquid metal that they can control with their minds to create their weapons and armor. So it's like the most the most sci-fi thing I've ever put in a fantasy game. Yeah. And um, uh, that's definitely the most alien for sure. I had an underground race um, in one of, in one of my homebrew games one of my home games that uh, involved, I can't remember what it was, if it was humans that were underground or it was definitely a different species of uh, being that had like so dark vision that they couldn't go on the surface without burning out their eyes. Mm. And, mm. but the, they lived in this underground kind of cavern, so to speak. And the roots of the trees above had dug down and punctured holes in the ceiling. So the light in different areas would beam through the ceiling on the ground and make things grow down there. And that's how they, uh, you know, got their food and things like that. You know, don't look at the light, but, you know, definitely reap what it, what, what it creates for you. And they worshipped this light as if it were a deity because it basically was the reason that they could survive uh, underground. And I thought that was a little alien because yeah. you have this idea of they're worshipping something that we all know is – just a byproduct of something else like that's you know you're <clears throat> worshiping a reflection of something completely different that you've never seen before and and that was at least for me that was a really interesting thing to to jump into yeah mm. um, I'm oh i'm sorry i was singing alex no. um <laughs> i don't know the what quiet you're talking about singing all right i'm done now you can Talk about your role-playing games. Okay. <laughs> no, I, actually, one of, one of the more interesting things in one of my games was created by the player. He came up with he came up with his character a druid, and uh, uh, he was he belonged to the Sky Cult, and uh, um, uh, they were they were all elves. And what they would do is they would eat this sort of this uh, kind of toxic blue paste that they would that they would make from. Uh, uh, different elements in their surroundings, and it 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 dyed their skin this 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 uh, kind of uh, bright blue color, and they also you know grew these sort of antlers from from their heads, you know like uh, kind of moose style antlers, and they they just grow from their from their skulls, and uh, this blue paste uh, had the effect of of kind of uh, making their bodies poison so that they. You know, had really low constitution scores. You know, they were always very sickly and and frail. But they, you know, it was part of their religious um, their religious practice and so forth. And it was just a really neat character. But they were forbidden from going below the ground. Right. Um, going under the ground was was you know uh, an abomination to them. And uh, at one point, he was kind of forced to. And uh, and then again, the the player took the initiative with this and. Uh, his his god essentially abandoned him, and his 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 antlers began to sort of rot and grow inward into his skull, and he had to find a way to sort of um, break his his vow to his deity and survive somehow. So it, it turned into a really neat kind of campaign thread. But that's awesome, uh, man. It, it, it was just a great idea for uh, uh, this this a, a unique druidic culture, not not the typical ones with the you know grove of stones and. You know, right. ropes and all this, the same stuff. No, absolutely. Um, Cody has asked this question a couple times. Uh, I've been purposely ignoring it. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm just so kidding. he he asked uh, character voices. For those of you that do them, what goes into your development of your character voices? Certain inspirations, off the top of your head, improv, a mix of the two. So basically, how do you how do you come up with the voices of your characters if you do specific voices for your for your characters and your non-player characters? Depends how much time I have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if the uh, if if the players have kind of 
back me into a corner to you know where I have to introduce a new character, then I have to come up with something fast. Yeah. Um, if I know it's going to be a more significant character coming up in a in a in a, in a you know a, a, an upcoming um, session, then I'll I'll probably kind of practice different ones. Usually when I'm driving, you know, just because I'm alone. Yeah, I do that a lot when I'm driving. Yeah. You know, all right, what kind of guy is this? Uh, he's a tough guy, so you know, a kind of low voice. You know, maybe gravelly. You know, give him give him some more nasal. You know, he's uh, he's been through a lot, so maybe he has a a, a kind of a you know a uh, some scars maybe in his throat so he talks like that you know um you know, and you can just come out and kind of kind of th- consider the character and, and they can they can they can come out a little bit um what's one of them? not not quite cliche but you know um caricature almost but it right. works it works in a D game <laughs> you know caricature yeah. works absolutely what about you barker so I got in the chat again. <laughs> um, so for me personally, I uh, sorry for the distraction. I usually a mixture of both improv or uh, like real real world inspiration. A lot of the the things I do is I'll think of like who this person is and what their personality is like and come up with a um, a personality for them. You know, mm-hmm. which is <laughs> which you can kind of get in trouble for. I think we mentioned this on the podcast where like. You know, anybody who talks like this is quite smart and well-educated. But anybody who talks like this is kind of an idiot. And I just right. kind of like, how smart is this person? All right, boom, Cockney. <laughs> or, you know. um, right, right. But uh, one of the things that I'm actually going to tap Tim Carney from Tabletop Terrors and Absolute Tabletop, one of the things that he mentioned to me a while back, which was really awesome, is he tries to replicate – he thinks of a celebrity, like an actor, and he'll try to replicate their voice – and even if he doesn't just nail it, which it's impossible to, unless you're like a yeah. perfect, perfect uh, impressionist, um, you're always going to, if you have that person in mind, you're always going to sound the same. And yeah. I think that's yeah. the most important thing is, you know, being consistent because if the players, characters meet this uh, same NPC twice and the first time it's Cockney and the second time it's more of a, you know, uh, Southern English, then it's going to be confusing and yeah. or just immersion breaking which is worse than confusing right so uh yeah i, I think that tactic yeah. that strategy is really great because you're always going to be consistent so think of a sean connery or uh uh who's the guy who plays in all these in all the tarantino movies now uh german guy christoph waltz oh. christoph yeah. waltz yeah <laughs> Bingo. Tim Tim did a pitch perfect Christoph Waltz in uh, Jonathan Miles uh, Copper Jackals game for Brigade Con last year. Uh, his his voice was, I was just cracking up the entire time because it was so good and so just far enough over the top, but not too far over the top. You know what I mean? Right, it was so right. fun. Oh, it was awesome. Bingo. I can't do it, but he says bingo so perfectly. Bingo, yeah. The thing, the thing with it is is that um, it's not always about doing an accent or an impression. Sometimes it's just altering the way that you talk, the speed that you talk, the way yeah. that you enunciate words. You know, there, mm-hmm. there are certain NPCs and characters that I play that have accents or that I do an impression of, uh, you know, an actor or character. But then there are other characters where it's, it's literally just my voice, but I just alter the way that I speak. Um, which is a lot easier to do, um, and I always I always recommend that for someone who's not very good with you know voices or accents is to just just talk differently. Like, what speed do you normally talk at? Either talk faster or slower than that. Use words that you don't normally use, or throw in a stutter or you know a yeah. lisp or something. You know, it's very lower very easy to alter your voice if you need to. Raise your pitch or lower your pitch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> easy peasy lemon squeezy. <laughs> or just change, or even just change like certain in, um, ways you say certain vowels, like uh, 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 like the Canadian O, you know, like uh, yeah, going to, going, I'm going out to my boot. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Going on a boot this weekend. Yeah, if you just do a you simple know. change like that and yeah. just be consistent with it, it can right. it can very much characterize the voice. Yep. For sure. For sure. For sure. Right. Um, we have ten minutes, guys. So, do you guys want to pick some more questions? 
Captain, does the serial killer pay well? Not as well as you'd think. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, supply uh, and demand, dude. There's a lot of yeah, demand. And, There's a lot of supply for assassins. You, 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 and, you, and you can't do it unless you love it. Exactly. Yeah. Let's, um, let's do one more question and then maybe do an idea they can steal and we'll have people suggest what they want us to come oh, up with. that's a good idea. Yeah. Let's see here. Um, here's another Marquise question. Question for all three. What are your plans uh, going into the future for playing games with new people? Especially when the Provokers comes to an end, what will you do for the game time then? <laughs> so basically he's asking, what are, what are our plans for future games and campaigns and yeah. stuff like that? I, I kind of want to get back into doing some one-shots more. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I, I enjoy doing those, and uh, um, I've just been kind of busy, so I haven't had a chance to. Plus, uh, I'm, I'm involved in two campaigns right now, which is one I'm running and one I'm playing in, and so that uh, that makes it a little hard to start anything new. Uh, yeah. My last my last campaign ran for like two years, so <laughs> I don't right. know, I guess we'll see how how, how long it goes, but. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think I think I'd like to get more into more one shots and with with just you know some new people, just uh you know especially with uh, getting some new players who maybe aren't as familiar with uh, role playing and you know introduce them to it. Yeah, awesome, cool. What about you, Barker? <clears throat> um, I for a second I thought about not saying anything for like twenty seconds, but <laughs> just <laughs> the worst. Um, so. Um, outside of uh, okay, so playing with new people, I like I want to do more one-shot games inside the my homebrew world, and I already have one planned, and it's been planned for a long time. And the players are always like, "When are we playing? When are we playing?" Probably not till uh, after May when I graduate from college. But um, <laughs> the uh, I liked I took a note from what Matt did, and he started. You know, he has the Provokers campaign. And he runs individual one-shots in the different locations of his world to try to flesh out the world a little more and try to inspire some new ideas and stuff like that. And I just thought that was a super good idea. And so I've already run one called The Trenches of Hallow Hall, which is kind of mm -hmm. like it's in the world and it's like trench warfare one-shot happening in a small kind of confined location in the world. And I'm going to do some more of those. So uh, an example of one that's going to happen probably in late may or june june's probably good it's called the airships of magnetica which is uh, gonna be a a naval battle one shot in the sky which Dude, is, hell yeah yeah so i'm really excited about that one who's um, playing in that game sean vigvari solar uh fox winter and uh mitch mitchell um his last name I forgot mitchell's last name um but uh, basically, that was my first online campaign was with those guys. Right. I was just going to say that was your oh, initial neat. group. Yeah. So I was like, you know, I, I, and they were always kind of like, oh, are we going to play that campaign? Are we going to continue that campaign? And part of me was like, no, but let's do a one shot and kind of wrap it up as a group. So yeah, cool. that's going to be a fun thing. Right on. Oh, um, what about you, Matt? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, kind of, I'm wrapping up the Provokers uh, in their current iteration. We've got two sessions left of that. Um, but I'm definitely going to be running another campaign uh, with the same players and maybe with the same characters. We're not sure yet how that's going to go. Uh, but I want to run some more Crore stuff, which is my sword and sorcery setting. Um, and I'm constantly fleshing that out, coming up with new stuff. I'm actually working on kind of like the the early stages of a Crore supplement that is hopefully going to be coming out this year. And um, so I definitely want to run some more core stuff, and I want to run some Fellscape stuff. Uh, Fellscape is the, I was talking about it earlier, demons and angels, humanity caught in the middle, they got guns. Mm. I want to do some some Fellscape stuff, and um, maybe some more Aranoth one-shots. I enjoy doing those and uh, exploring different parts of Aranoth and, and uh, uh, just playing with new players and seeing what kind of characters they bring to a world that I feel like I know very, very well. So, yeah. Cool, uh, no, no big campaign plans in the future. I guess is what I should <laughs> specify. I'm not not planning any more campaigns, but definitely some more one shots and stuff like that. Someone asked earlier, uh, and uh, maybe this will be the second to last thing we talk about before we close out. But someone asked earlier if we wanted if we were going to do some more one shots on the podcast. Oh and yeah. 
Yeah. I think that'd be a cool thing. It takes a little more time and we all kind of do a million other things. Yeah. But um, that would be, it'd be a fun thing to have, you know, Matt run a one shot or me run a one shot yeah. or Alex run another one shot. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. That was a lot of fun. That The pipeline uh, game was so much fun. So I, I'd, I'd love to do some more games with uh, with the roll up and die crew. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. I, I, and I, I and I do have a sequel for the pipeline ready to go, so that's that's Dude, nice. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh, earlier today we got a question like, how do you choose your guests? And we've had like oh. Rob on three or four <laughs> times and stuff. And the yeah. reason we should probably do this a little better. The reason we usually have guests is last minute when either <laughs> Matt or I, mostly me, say, "Dude, I can't be there. Like, I'm sorry, I can't show up. Can you guys?" make a guess so it's and rob's yeah. always the one who's like there and ready to go yeah, so. yeah. Uh, but i think we're probably going to start maybe new birthday second birthday resolution maybe start planning our guests a little better yeah well, well i think uh we had talked about kids. yeah we had talked about having the carnies yeah. on soon to talk about pulp adventures because yeah. Yeah. tim specifically is all about uh pulp adventures <clears throat> so we were gonna we were definitely gonna do yeah. that at some point very very soon yep. yeah definitely I actually didn't know what pulp was until you guys defined it for me. <laughs> well, it's a hard like, thing to define. It's 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 a it's a it nebulous is. kind of thing. It's it's like <laughs> I don't know. It's like a, I I don't know how to define pulp, but I know it when I see it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was just about to say that. Like I don't know how to, how to tell yeah. you what it is, but now that you taught me what it is, I can see it everywhere and I can see what it's not. Exactly. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, we, we definitely want to have more guests on. We always enjoy getting a new perspective on the podcast and it's always fun. Yeah. And we, we just had DBJ on a few weeks ago and that was absolutely yeah. one of he my favorite great, episodes yeah. we've ever recorded. Um, yeah. so we'll definitely be doing some more guests soon. I know, um, <laughs> Mike Lasham of Mike, the Piper, uh, Marquis stereotypical Lasham. Sorry. I know it's Lasham, but I always say Lasham cause that's how I thought it was. Uh, Marquis, Stereotypical Strider, and Mike or, uh, uh, Jake, Mini Terrain Domain have all put their hats in to be guests on the show. So I think we'll we'll definitely reach out to some of those folks and have them on. To yeah, talk about and unfortunately, things. time time zones can be an issue too because there's yeah. a lot of cool people in the UK. Um, I'd love to get Runeslinger on, but he's in in Korea, so that's that's a really hard you know time schedule to line up. So you know that 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 can be a factor too. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're kind of limited there. For sure. Well, before we go, um, so I don't know. What do you guys want to do to close this out? Idea we can they can steal. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, what's some, of, some of that's something that said holidays. I think. Oh seasons. I uh, see seasons. Oh okay. No, there was another one. That oh said holidays. holidays. But, it's from the yeah. same person that said seasons. Oh okay. Jacob, yeah. what would you rather do, holidays or seasons? <laughs> oh, it's gonna be like twenty seconds before he sees. Yeah. Um, let's do seasons, man. That sounds cool. Let's come up with a season. Okay, cool. That's totally... I've never even thought about doing that. That's a cool idea. <laughs> well, all right, cool. Let me... Get that Get that D12 out. You know, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something special here. What are you going to do? Special for the people. Damn it, I don't have a dice roller. Hit me up with a dice roller, Matt. What? Oh, you want oh. me to roll it? Open Open your dice roller so people know that it's true. Oh, and I don't fudge these rolls. Uh, hang on. I don't have a dice roller. Oh, I've got my fate. i got my fate roller. Let's see. Yeah, Okay, got your fate roller. Yeah, I, you can roll a regular d6 with a fate roller, right? No. Um. Here, I got a fate roller too. I'm opening it now. This? No, you can't. Oh, no. Dude, can I just roll a d12, bro? Just nope. The sacrifices we make. No. Yeah, go ahead. I don't know. I don't roll dice. Hang on, I got a, I got a double d6s here. Dude, this this fate dice roller seems to have every single feature save for rolling dice. <laughs> You can change the color of your mythological dice that aren't yeah. there. So here's my double D6. So it's a D12 uh, yeah. that has uh, all the D6 stuff on it. So I'm going to go ahead and roll that. So um, I'll be one to two. Alex will be three to four. Barker will be five to six. Cool. Right. That's a four. So that's Alex. You start yeah. us off. All right. So um, I'm going to say that this that this season uh, uh, is... Um, is based on the fact that uh, during during the height of the uh, the longest uh, days of the year and the hottest times of the year, there's this uh, there's this large moon that passes um, uh, across across the continent, and uh, and uh, and obscure and it's large enough and close enough that it obscures the sun for 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 a month, 
and it changes mm. the season based because this this large body now has basically put this place in in perpetual shadow for for that period of time. So not only is it, is there kind of a different season beneath the shadow of this moon, but also like near the edges, you know, uh, because then you get kind of half light, and uh, so it, it forms this kind of arc that goes across the continent and uh, creates this unique season. Yeah, awesome. that's cool. All right, Dumb. one through three is me. Four through six is Barker. That's six. That's Barker. Cool. Um, I'm going to say that this moon is timed. Its rotation around the plane is timed very slowly. Um, but its gravitational pull is immense. And so the season is defined as it eclipses the sun and the gravitational pulls of the moon and the sun combined the tides come flooding up and everything in this entire area is flooded and turned into ocean. Dude, nice. that's awesome. Okay, hang on. One through six is me. That's a two, so that's me. I'm going to say that this, this season is called the dark wet because it is both dark and wet. And there are certain creatures that uh, live in kind of the deepest, darkest parts of the ocean, kind of these very alien, almost uh, aberrant looking creatures. Um, and when these floods occur due to the gravitational pull of this moon and as the shadows kind of fall across the earth, these um, creatures come out of the ocean and uh, prey on uh, the humans that live in this world. And so, it's known that for a month every year you basically like hole up like board yeah. the windows board the doors everyone has like weapons and uh fortifications in place um just to survive this month that happens every year yeah actually you know you know it'd be cool as if if you were making an adventure based around this you know the 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 party comes to this new area they've never been to before and, uh, you know, they've never been under the shadow of the moon, so to speak. And uh, all, all the buildings are, are built strangely. They all have these, like, solid bases, and you have, they only have steps that lead up to them, so they're, they're all, like, way off the ground, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're, there's nothing on ground level. And then, uh, you know, maybe, maybe the, uh, 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 the dark wet hits, you know, like, just, you know, just after they arrive. So all of a sudden, people are, like, going into their places, locking them up, and, and they're kind of left out wondering, what? What's going on? Yeah. What's the big deal? <laughs> Where, where's the party going? And then everything starts flooding, and they're like, right, oh, right. my God. Yeah. That's cool, I man. I would probably call it the night sweat or the, the rise or something <laughs> The like night that. sweats. I get those sometimes, <laughs> too. I like the rise. That's, that's actually The cool. rise is pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. I feel like they would colloquially, like the the common folk would call it the dark wet because they just don't know any better, and that's like the the only thing they could think of to call it. Or if you're not running an online game and you want to bring some cool music into it, you call it, call it Bad Moon, you know, and Ooh, just play yeah. some previews, you know. There you go. <laughs> that what that song that is is uh, is apt for that situation. Yeah, exactly. You cut out, Alex. I'm for me. What did you? Bad what, Moon what by Creedence Clearwater oh, yeah. Revival. Yeah, cool. So, so call it Bad Moon, and then you yeah play the song while you're uh, while you're running. <laughs> You'd have you could have the lyrics of the song be some NPC dialogue. They're like, I see a bad moon rising. <laughs> There's uh, trouble on the way. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go out tonight. <laughs> there, it just the session wrote itself, <laughs> man. Well <laughs> done. <laughs> hey, there, there you go. There's, 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 there's our next, uh, there's our next episode. How to, how to create an adventure based on song lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've done it before. Song. That's true. Done it before. Done it before. Okay. Uh, cool. Well, so Matt can go eat food and have yep. dinner with his yep. wife, and so Alex can go bury the body, um, and so I can go watch some The New Girl because I'm a man. And I do what I please as long as my wife tells me that it's okay. Um, uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning into this live uh, feed of Roll Up and Die. This is going to be episode 39, unless we number it differently, yeah. but mm-hmm. this is awesome. 
thank you everybody who have been around since the first episode with the technical difficulties and <laughs> have been through all the 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 missed days and all the delayed postings and all of the audio issues and everything thank you so much this has just been fun um this is like hanging out i'm basically just three guys hanging out with friends and talking about role-playing games and so um i don't have a glass bottle around me but i do have this mug it's been a long time <laughs> since that ha has happened um yeah you want to do it matt i'll do it are we ready? Wait, we got to do our sign-off. Oh, no, wait. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in to Roll Up and Die, your definitive RPG podcast. My name is Barker. And my name is Matt from Fistful of Dice. And Which... my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. Godspeed. Blah. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, my gosh. It sounded like you threw a human being into the microphone. <laughs> so loud. <laughs> <laughs> like it sounded like you have Mike Portnoy in the background doing some double bass action. That's what that sounded like. That's exactly what it was. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for watching, guys. This show has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2016. It is owned by all three of the primary hosts. The games, movies, and other super awesome properties mentioned in this show are the property of their respective owners. Stealing sucks. You can find all three of the primary hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt is at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Barker is at youtube.com slash be a better game master. And both of their work can be found at absolutetabletop.com. Captain Gothnog is at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog. And his work can be found on drive through RPG via Critical Hit Publishing. Listeners are free to use this show in any way, shape, or form, as long as credit is provided to the Roll Up and Die RPG podcast. Look for other releases of the show on Facebook.com slash RollUpAndDie, iTunes, and RollUpAndDie.Podbean.com. Have a fantastic day, and as always, happy gaming. <laughs>